Welcome to this week's edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season. And each week, different guests from the world of college football join me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Today, we are joined by ESPN play-by-play announcer and fellow Syracuse alum, Sean McDonough, former University of Wisconsin head coach and College Football Hall of Famer, Barry Alvarez, and the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl Executive Director, John Sassenti. Today's show is brought to you by TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, we kicked off bowl season this weekend. Can't think of a more uh, exciting way to start it. Nine games, five upsets, uh, and some great moments. Uh, And we're just getting started. We are just getting started, and I've enjoyed watching the games. I've also enjoyed following at bowl season on social media because you guys have been on top of it, keeping everybody updated. Nick, I know you had a chance to to go out to uh, one of the games, at least one of the games. Uh, what's your impression so far of bowl season? Well, I was at the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta on Saturday, and what a great event. Uh, it's the only bowl game that that features two schools that are not FBS institutions, two historically black colleges. Uh, Jackson State against South Carolina State. That was one of the upsets. Uh, what an atmosphere, 48,000 people. Uh, all I could say it was like a big party in that building. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that seems like one of the good ones to go to if you're going to get it all started off. And uh, you mentioned we've got a, a packed lineup of guests today. We want to get right over to our first one, one of the most versatile voices uh, in sports for ESPN, uh, Sean McDonough has called everything from football to basketball to baseball to now hockey. I I really want to know, Sean, what have you not called? Um, It's so great to have you here. Thanks for joining Bowl Season Stories. Well, thanks for having me, Angela and Nick. Good to see both of you. Happy holidays. It is an exciting time of year. And uh, to answer your question, I don't know. You know, uh, there, there are very few events, I guess, that I would want to do that I haven't had the chance to do yet. You know, Probably the highlight was, as Nick might remember, was that you're too young, Angela, the, the bobsled and luge uh, in the Olympics back in 1992. Uh, I remember when they called me and said, uh, you're going to do the bobsled and luge. I was like, well, good luck with that, because I don't know a single thing about it. So that was actually fun. You know, went up to Lake Placid, where the U.S. has their training center for the bobsled and luge teams and met all the people, uh, got coached up a little bit, actually went on a bobsled run and a luge run, which is terrifying and probably something I would choose not to do again. But uh, yeah, I just feel blessed that I've had the opportunity to do all these different things and looking forward to doing a big bowl game coming up here soon. John, thank, thanks for joining us. I, we do this every week. We, we have great guests every week, but it's always a little extra special for me to have a, a friend like you on. So I really appreciate you joining Uh, I want to start off talking a little bit more about your career. Uh, You graduated from Syracuse in 1984. You've been covering sports for almost 40 years now. Um, Probably should have kept that between us, but (laughs) almost 40 years. And Angela touched on it. You've covered Major League Baseball, the NFL, college football, college basketball, the Olympics, tennis, golf. Uh, Starting this year, you're the lead play-by-play voice of the NHL on ESPN and ABC. It's really hard to be... uh, good at any one thing you've managed to be great at all of those I know you work really hard at it is it fun for you to work all those different sports or do you ever wish you were just kind of focusing on one of them no that's the thing I enjoy most about it I get asked a lot what's your favorite sport to call and I never really give an answer because I don't really have one that's in the forefront of my mind as my favorite if you ask me during 
college football season, I'd probably say college football. And then when we get in the Stanley Cup final uh, in a few months, I'll probably say, wow, there's nothing better than the Stanley Cup final. So I, I, it's one of the great things about having had the opportunity to work at ESPN, where we are 24-7, mm -hmm. 365. You know, sports over a number of different networks and platforms, there's a lot of opportunity there to do a lot of different things. So that's what I've appreciated, I think, about my career more than anything is just having had the opportunity to to do all of it. You know, I grew up, as you know, my dad was a sports writer, so we followed him around all the games and watched him cover all the games. And you know, I grew up being a sports fan and just wanted to do something that would keep me around sports in my professional life. So I've been really blessed that it's turned out the way that it has. You and I met back when I was at the Big East, uh, when I started there about 20 years ago, you were doing a lot of play-by-play -play for our football games, men's basketball games. I, I miss those days personally for a lot of reasons, but in particular, that big Monday crew, I think might've been the best crew of all time. Jay Billis, Bill Raftery, yourself. It looked like you guys were always having a lot of fun. Uh, I know you're all close friends. Tell us about those days working with those two guys. Well, can we tell these sorts of stories on podcasts or? <laughs> Keep it clean. <laughs> so they're all, they're clean. all PG, but uh, it was a tremendous amount of fun, you know, uh, and I appreciate you saying that. And we certainly had a lot of people tell the three of us that over the years. You know, it's a wonderful thing when you can be a part of something that you really think is special. I mean, I've enjoyed just about everybody I've ever worked with in all these different sports. And but Jay and Bill, that that was you know like going to hang out with your two best friends or two of your best friends certainly uh, every Sunday and Monday. You know, Sunday as we prepare for the game. So. You know, people have described it to us. Well, it sounds like three guys, you know, sitting around in a bar talking about the game while they're watching it. And that's sort of what it was to the point where we, from time to time, were encouraged to maybe stop poking so much fun at each other. Uh, but that was a big part of it, too. So I miss it. You know, when Rath called me and said that he had an opportunity to leave and go to Fox, you know, and he explained to me what the offer was, I said, well, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> And uh, we'll keep in touch because um, certainly it was an offer that he could not and should not have turned down and did not. But, um, you know, I kind of knew when that happened, you know, never really going to quite be a part of something like that ever again, because it was really special. And thanks for bringing it up. Let's talk about this football season a little bit, and then we'll transition into bowl season. Mm -hmm. uh, coming off a strange year last year, I think we were all excited to get back to normal with full stadiums and the great game day atmosphere that we're used to in college football. You covered some big games this year for those people who could only watch the games on TV. What was it like being there in person covering the games this year? Oh my gosh, it was infinitely better. I mean, I think we already appreciated how important, you know, the having fans in the stands was uh, long before they came back this year. You know, I, I've always said that one of the reasons I really enjoy college football, one of the reasons I wanted to go back to college football uh, when I left Monday Night Football was the atmosphere. You know, that's a, a huge part of what makes it special. You know, you feel when you walk into these stadiums, you talked about you were just at the Celebration Bowl, and I talked to some friends who were there the other day, too. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's special. And it, it's different. You know, there's just the whole week, as you know, to a college football game, the buildup, you get there on Wednesday or Thursday, and there's already the RVs in the parking lot and the flags flying, and people are tailgating and people plan their whole week around these games. Uh, so, you know, I, I just appreciate so much that the fans are back because it was almost painful to call games when, you know, you, you had to lay out because, 
well, let's listen to the coaches talking to each other on the sideline, you know, because it was so quiet in the stadium, you could actually hear that, which was interesting. I mean, it was one way, I guess, to sort of make it salvageable uh, without the crowd. I remember Nick and Angela doing the first game last year without fans in, uh, in 2020. And we were at Clemson at Wake Forest. And about an hour before the game, you look down on the field and Davo Sweeney and Dave Clausen were standing there. There were a bunch of administrators around them. And we were like, what are they doing? And then we realized they were listening to the fake crowd noise coming out of the PA system and trying to agree on what was the acceptable level of the volume level of fake crowd noise. So uh, yeah, I'm glad we don't have to do that again. Yeah, and hopefully never again. Hopefully, we, uh, although it's scary right now, right? I mean, as we're talking with what's going on in the world, uh, you know, you just hope that we're not heading back in that direction. Yeah, keeping our fingers crossed for sure. Well, this this podcast is called Bowl Season Stories, so let's talk about bowl games a little bit. You grew up in uh, Boston, as you mentioned, so there weren't a lot of options uh, nearby for you as a kid to go see a bowl game in person back then. What was your first experience with bowl games growing up? Did you watch them on TV? Uh, did you have any feel any sense of emotion about them? And then professionally, what were some of the first bowl games you remember working? Yeah, I watched them all on TV. You know, used to love New Year's Day, right? That was sort of the day. And you'd go from one game to the next to the next. You're a diehard sports fan like me. You know, we'd flop in front of the TV and watch every game all day long. You know, used to love the Rose Bowl, you know, thinking how cool that whole atmosphere looked and having watched the parade and the whole thing. Matter of fact, it's interesting, Nick, I, I talked to – Bruce Cassidy, we're talking about the NHL. Bruce Cassidy is the head coach of the Boston Bruins. And I was getting ready for a Boston Bruins game right after Thanksgiving. And he asked me, do you have a college football game this weekend? And I told him I did and, you know, kind of asked him why. And he said, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. And I said, well, how did that happen? And he said, well, I grew up in Ottawa. And New Year's Day, we used to go over to our friend's house and watch TV. And we, you know, seemed like Ohio State was always in the Rose Bowl. And he said, I love the helmet decals that they had on the, the helmets. And I liked the colors and I liked the whole thing. And, you know, he said I was probably seven or eight years old then. And even now in his 50s, uh, he's remained a, an Ohio State fan. So it's interesting how uh, these bowl games and experiences, even as a young kid, uh, have you looking forward to them as an adult. I think my, I don't know when the first time I went to a bowl game was to answer the other part of your question. Um, might have been at Syracuse with the, the late great coach McPherson, who was uh, near and dear to both of us and always will be. But um, yeah, the, the, but one of the fun parts we talked earlier about my career has been the chance to do, I think I've done almost every bowl game that there is or has been. You know, some of them are not even in existence anymore. But uh, I look forward to this. You know, it's the culmination of, of the season. And um, you know, in our case, our group's going to do the Cotton Bowl here. Uh, coming up pretty soon and can't wait to get there and do that. Tell us a little bit more about some of the memories you have doing, uh, doing those bowl games. You, you mentioned how many you've done, how many different ones you've done. You're in those, in that town and in that community for a couple of days. And the, you know, the, those, every bowl organization is so proud of their game. The community is proud to host the game and they really kind of roll out the, the red carpet for everybody involved in the game and try to show you the best of, of what their community has to offer. Over the years, any any memorable moments that, that stick out to you? Yeah, lots of them, really kind of for the reasons you just said. You know, the, the people do such a great job running these games. I remember when I was at CBS in the late 90s doing their college football, we had the Sun Bowl. And 
that group, as you know, Nick, is legendary for its hospitality and deservedly so. I mean, they had a committee that was basically just the, the CBS TV hospitality committee. So if we wanted to go play golf, somebody on the committee would say, hey, I can take you to go play golf. If we wanted to go to a certain kind of restaurant, let's go. I mean, they just made it fun. They picked you up when you got off the plane. And I remember one of the traditions was they would take the teams and the CBS people across the border into Mexico and you'd go to a bullfight in a you know, small little, uh, I guess small, I don't know. I haven't been to any other bullfight ring stadium. So maybe it's standard size, I don't know. But you know, you're there, there are a couple of refreshments before you know, they get to the, the bullfight. And one of the guys on the committee said, well, our tradition is that each of the head coaches, the two head coaches and the CBS announcers go down into the ring and they fight the bull. <laughs> Which when they told me the story, I thought that's probably a lot of bull, quite frankly, because I have very little interest in doing that, even with the refreshments. And then they said, no, it's, you know, it's very safe. Uh, they're smaller bulls. They have their uh, horns or whatever you call them. You can see I'm an expert on this. Uh, pinned back, they taped back. So, okay we're going to do this. So they look smaller when you're up kind of in the stands, when you actually get down there on the floor and that, that thing is looking at you. And even though they're small by comparison to perhaps other members of the bull species, they are not small when you're down there. So they teach you how to, you know, they have the red cape, just like you, you think. And they tell you, just make sure you keep it over to the side because the bull will run through the cape. Don't do this because the bull will run through the cape and hit you. So I got that part down. And after a while, you know, you're kind of feeling like I'm doing a good job with this. The crowds into it a little bit. But one of the things that I didn't realize is I kept backing up. And one time the bull went through the cape and slammed head first right into the wall of the arena. Um, you know, not, he wasn't hurt or she. <laughs> Again, I didn't get all the details I probably should have gotten. But clearly when the bull turned around, it looked at me like, that wasn't good. <laughs> so I looked at the people, the, you know, the, they have like the, whatever they call the assistants who are dressed up in the office. When you're ready to get off, you look at them. I'm like, I think it's time to go now. <laughs> so uh, that was a great experience. Love Del Paso. Jimmy Rogers and those folks down there were uh, absolutely great. And, you know, you, you get a lot of the same kind of hospitality, but they stick out in my mind for being uh, particularly memorable, wonderful people. Well, Sean, thank you for that story. I think we'll end on that one. We've taken up enough of your time. Thank Plus you so you have much. Like Barry Alvarez coming and other really important executive directors of bowl games. I mean, you have all kinds of great guests we as you had. We packed this the... show. We packed this show with the all-star lineup and there was nobody better to kick it off than you. Well, that story was so long. I think I, I ran the <laughs> clock out on my own time. But, uh, always enjoy being with you, my friend. Angela, great to meet you. Keep up the good work. I know you have to carry the show, but you're doing a great job of it. <laughs> great to it. meet you as well, Sean. I'll be at the Cotton Bowl, so I hope to see you there. Oh, I hope so too. That, that's going to be a lot of fun. That is a great stadium. You know, people talk about uh, things that make our job fun. Having a chance to do a game in that stadium is really, really cool. Well, Sean, thanks again. You're 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 so good at what you do. You're even better at being a friend. Uh, good luck with the Cotton Bowl. Look forward to getting together with you in the off season. Okay. You don't want me to tell any of our lousy golf stories? <laughs> they would be really, really boring to, to these it people. It would be. Yes. If the bull story wasn't boring enough, our golf would really be boring. <laughs> but 
Keep up the good work. Uh, we hope for more excitement during bowl season. I look forward to seeing you both again soon. Thanks, Sean. We're going to take a short break and be right back with former University of Wisconsin head coach and college football Hall of Famer Barry Alvarez. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season, it's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. We're now joined by a legendary figure in college football, former University of Wisconsin head coach and director of athletics, Barry Alvarez. And let me see, uh, coach, if I get this right, you're a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, Rose Bowl Hall of Fame, Orange Bowl Hall of Fame, and Wisconsin Hall of Fame. Did I leave anything out? Pennsylvania Hall of Fame. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Thanks for joining and, and us. And probably more to come. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coach, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, you and I have known each other for a while now. We've worked together in a number of different capacities. And sometimes when that's the case, you, you never really research that person. Uh, but in preparation for this podcast, I discovered that over the course of your career as a player in Nebraska, an assistant at Iowa and Notre Dame, head coach at Wisconsin, and then the AD there after that, you participated and now maybe I, I might've even missed a couple, but you participated in 36 bowl games. Were you aware of that? I, you know, I was just kind of uh, going through accounts uh, in my head just before we did this. And yeah, that that's about right. Yeah, um, I don't, I, we don't keep official stats on that, but I'd be surprised if anybody's been a part of more. No, that's uh, you know, I chose Nebraska. I went to school at Nebraska because I wanted to go to bowl games and Bob Devaney had just turned the program around beat Bud Wilkinson's uh, Oklahoma team and they played in the orange bowl. And that was the year they were recruiting me. Uh, my freshman year, uh, they were freshmen were ineligible then, but uh, we lost one game played in the cotton bowl. And then the next year, my first year of eligibility, we played in the orange bowl and then the next year in the sugar bowl. So uh, I was able to achieve the goals that I wanted. Uh, but I, I love bowl games. I loved them as a coach. I loved them as a player. Uh, I loved every part of it. Now, we, we know how important the Rose Bowl is to the University of Wisconsin and the Big Ten in general. You had a record of 3-1 and one in the Rose Bowl as the head coach of Wisconsin. Your only loss coming when you were, when you were the AD, filling in as the interim head coach. Tell us what playing in the Rose Bowl means to, the, to a Big Ten team. And what is that one-of-a-kind experience like for the players, staff, and, and everyone involved? Yeah, the, the history and tradition of the Rose Bowl goes goes back so far with the Big Ten, Pac-10, or Pac-12 now, uh, playing champions playing in it. And every every young youngster that plays football in the Midwest dreams about playing in the Rose Bowl. And you saw pictures. I remember, you know, you're you're growing up and you saw pictures of the of the captains with the Rose with the Rose uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, queen in her court and uh the, you know you remember the parade I remember as a kid you know uh, watching the parade first and then the game um but just the activities and all the functions that they have along with uh the game and then there is no more beautiful venue than the stadium on game day you know with the san gabriel mountains behind you and the three palm trees over the you know, right, right behind the, the, the press, the, the uh, scoreboard, 
and the field is magnificent and it'll take your breath away. And I had it happen as my our first year uh, playing out there when I was at Iowa, you know, you, you, you get ready to take the field, you're standing in the end zone and it just, it just takes your breath away. It's so magnificent. And pretty soon you're in the middle of the first quarter. You said, Hey, no, we're playing it. You were in the middle of this game. We better get going here. But, you know, I, so I, I had a whole plan just for the Rose Bowl and how to deal with it and how to get your players to the, to the bowl site, walk through the bowl before the game, uh, do all those things. But uh, it is, it truly is a special, special place. You retired as head coach after a, a win in a bowl game. You beat Auburn in the 2006 Capital One Bowl. Uh, you were nine and four overall in bowl games. That includes a victory as an interim head coach when the, the team got together and, and convinced you to come out of retirement uh, in 2014 uh, to coach the Outback Bowl. Uh, we mentioned the 36 bowl games overall. What did all those trips over the years mean to you and your team? And how do those experiences help the development of your program? Well, um, there are a number of positives that happen with the bowl game. First of all, I always had the philosophy um, that when I took, whether it be a bowl game or if I went cross country to play someplace or a unique school, I, if we're going to go far enough, I, I want my players to experience what's going on there. I want them to see what, what's happening in that particular city. Same thing with the bowl game. I, you know, I, I tell them, whatever we're paying for, you do it. You know, take advantage of the experience we're going to give you. We're going to try to expose you to that city and, and what everything they do. So it's, it's an experience for the players, something that, you know, that, that we, I, I encourage them to embrace it, uh, take in everything, really enjoy the experience, and then play well in the bowl game. But it's not just going and playing in a game. Unfortunately, if, uh, uh, last year, because of COVID, it was just an away game. You know, we went and played in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, but it, it was like an away game. You went in the night before you played the game, you went home. They, they didn't have a chance to experience anything, but we're back to normal now. And, and uh, that, that's, and, and Paul, I know, and Brett, when he was with me, they all did the same thing. They felt it was an experience for the players and we made a big deal out of it. Yeah, we, we've, uh, we've had a lot of great guests on this podcast and we talked to all of them about those unique experiences, you know, these, these bowl opportunities you know, I think the average fan might turn on the bowl game and they see, see the game for three hours and they think it's just like every other game, but the, the, you know, your team's getting in there, you know, four or five, six days before the game and really experiencing a community, a part of the country that they may never have experienced before. Talk about how unique each bowl experience is. And, and are there any memorable moments that you have over the years uh, at the, at those games? Yeah. You know, everyone has a special experience uh, because everyone, every city, uh, offers different things and uh, whatever they offered you know if it was eating seafood in, at the sugar bowl or, 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 or eating their different types of cuisine which you're not accustomed to in the midwest you want your players to experience that if it's deep sea fishing at, at the orange bowl uh, or if it's going to high lie at the orange bowl if it's you know whatever it might be whatever that community offers you know going to see where the floats were made at the Rose Bowl and, and see, you know, the, all the in, in intricacies of the, of the petals and the flowers and, and, and how they do it and, and going to uh, Lowry's, you know, the, to have their, the, their famous steak dinner or prime rib dinner uh, where you, you compete with the other team. Um, you know, all those little things, everyone has something a little different 
And I, you know, I wanted my guys to jump in with both feet. And then, you know, then you always have different contests. I can remember um, we were playing in Tampa uh, at the Outback Bowl against a very good Georgia team. And we were out on the beach and, and they had a pie eating contest, a, a key line eat, a pie eating contest. And I had a rule with my guys, if whatever, when we had a contest, I want to win everything. You know, I just want to get in a, be accustomed to winning whatever you're doing at a bowl game. So the pie eating contest, I'd go get some of my, my scout team offensive linemen, you know, some 320 pounders. They aren't going to play in the game until they, they have to win. They have to win this contest. So, you know, those, those are just some of the fun things that you do. Yeah. They, um, <clears throat> do you have a, a favorite bowl game you've been to? Or, or you may not, may not want to pick one. How about, how about a game that, you know, you, you weren't sure what to expect. And then after the experience, you went back, you went home and you said, wow, that was, that was, that was pretty cool. That was, that was a lot different or a lot better than I expected. Um, I have to say, I, I, I loved all of them, but the very first Rose Bowl at Wisconsin, I had been uh, at two when I was at Iowa. We didn't do a very good job in prep. Uh, and we, we played uh, one year, we played against the Don James coach team in Washington. Don always really, and he, he was going pretty regular and he had a real nice, uh, his preparation, the, the, the time that they were there. And back then we didn't, nobody had, no one had indoor facilities. So we went out very early and, uh, and I'm watching, you know, hey, you know, we're getting our guys up. Aiden uh, had our guys up at seven 30 for breakfast and have a big breakfast and go practice and, and, and then meet and then hurry up and jump on a bus and go to Disneyland, go to Knott's Berry farms, go someplace. We wore our kids out and I'm watching with, Washington's over there. They're in Anaheim. They have no hours. Every four guys have a car. And so they're running, they're having a blast. You know, we, it was the stuff and we reported on the 17th. We were out there like two full weeks before the game and they're having a blast. And the week of the game, they came to Pasadena. And then now those guys are worn out. Now they can focus on the game. They, they, uh, their practice, you know, was, was in the afternoon. It was all game prep, and they were really zeroed in. So I studied that, and I used that plan, a modified plan, when you went to, to a bowl game for whether it be a week or six days, five days, whatever, and just modified that plan. Coach, do you, do you miss coaching? And what do, you, what do you miss the most about it? I, I miss the interaction and, and, and being with the players. I, I miss big games. I miss winning games. I don't miss the stress, but I, I love the the interaction and the relationships with, with the players and your coaches. Yeah, you certainly don't miss the lo losing games. No, no, no nobody misses those. No. For, fortunately for you, coach, you didn't lose too many of them. Uh, Wisconsin's in the Las Vegas Bowl this year against Arizona State. Arizona State. What do you think of that matchup? I think it'd be a good matchup. I know they're. I think they're excited about it. First time they've had a Big Ten school in there. Mm -hmm. uh, our guys are excited. Um, you know, anytime the weather now in Vegas may not be what our guys are anticipating. It's not going to be Florida weather, uh, but it's going to be a heck of a lot warmer than, than it would be back in Madison. Um, and, and most of our players probably have never been to Vegas. So, again, it's going to be a good experience. I like the matchup. Uh, two teams. We, we played uh, Arizona State probably 10 years ago, maybe eight years ago. And, uh, you know, got a lot of respect for that team. And Herm Edwards is done, doing a nice job there. So I, I think it'd be a, a good game. 
it'll be a fun place for our guys to be playing in the new stadium, new pro stadium. So it would be a good experience for them. Well, Coach, we've taken enough of your time. Thanks so much for being on the show. You've been, been a good friend to me over the years. Uh, I know you're retired now. Uh, enjoy yourself. You've, you've earned that uh, and hope to see you soon. Okay, Nick. Always a pleasure. We're going to take a short break and be right back with the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl Executive Director, John Sassenti. Stay with us. Bowl season is finally here. And with Bowl Season Radio, you'll be able to keep up with all the action. Bowl Season is teaming up with First Team Ventures to provide live national radio play-by-play coverage for 18 college bowl games this season. Bowl Season Radio will give college fans the opportunity to stay dialed in to college football's postseason, whether they are driving cross-country or staying close to home. Celebrate college football and listen to Bowl Season Radio on select stations, satellite radio, or off the game day live homepage at bowlseason.com. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. And we now go to one of my favorite places in the world, Las Vegas, where we join John Sassenti, Executive Director of the Las Vegas Bowl, hosting Wisconsin and Arizona State this year. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. John, appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know this is your busiest time of year by far, but most exciting at the same time. You've, uh, it's been a while now. You've, you've been the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl since 2014. Uh, you and I have known each other a lot longer than that. But tell, tell us, how have you seen your bowl game grow over those years? Well, Nick, the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, not only not only did we grow from moving out of Sandboy Stadium to Allegiant Stadium, but we had to grow and, and, and figure out who we are and what we are, right? We, we talk about Las Vegas being the entertainment capital of the world. Uh, we had to take a long, hard look at as to what we were doing. If you think about it, uh, you know, we're, we're fighting for every entertainment dollar uh, with the city of Las Vegas. And, and Vegas is, continues to reinvent itself, continues to attract world-class events. And so we had to take a long, hard look as to who we are and what we were going to grow into. And, and I've used this before with a number of people is we're going out on the streets in, in you know, May, June, July, and August, and we're asking people to buy tickets to a game where I can't tell you who's playing in the game until two weeks before. Um, so what we had to do is we had to create that kind of identity and separate ourselves into, into being a special event. And everything that we did and everything that we tried to do to grow the event was to make sure that we took a look at what was going on at regular season home games. What, what, did, what did Wisconsin do at, at home games? What did Arizona State do at home games? And then try to be different. We didn't want to be just another football game. We didn't want to be just another game on their schedule. So we, 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 we did little things here and there to change things up. But I think the biggest thing was we treated our event like, like an entertainment option. Uh, we got the, the, uh, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority to help us with a in-game entertainment stage. And throughout the game, we had four or five different acts that are on the strip performing at our game. So it was, it was, it was a football game and a Vegas show. I, I'm, I'm proud to say I think we were one of the first uh, major football events to have an actual DJ stand. We got one of the, one of the uh, you know, the DJ business was booming in Las Vegas. We worked with one of our hotel partners and we put an actual DJ stand with smoke and lights and everything else in, in the end zone. And, and, you know, we did that eight years ago, probably before a lot of people were doing it. And so um, that, that I think was a big key to helping us grow and separate ourselves from just a, just another game. You mentioned the transition to Allegiant stadium. Your, your game has been around for almost 30 years now, and it's, it's a, evolved steadily over that time, but obviously a big 
change this year, moving into Allegiant Stadium for the first time, uh, home of the Las Vegas Raiders. How excited are you and all the supporters of Las Vegas for this move? Well, I, I spent the last year not being excited, to be honest with you. I spent the last year panicking and freaking out because um, it is it, we're moving from a 36,000-seat venue to a 65,000-seat venue. Uh, we're, we're, we're moving from, you know, out in the boonies where we had plenty of space to do whatever the heck we wanted with grass fields and parking lots and, and, and everything under the sun to being in a, in a, in a pretty tight space right off of the Las Vegas strip. So for, for the last year or so, uh, there, there was anything but excitement. We were figuring out how we're going to sell these extra tickets. How are we going to, you know, price the sponsorships accordingly, um, but now that, now that it's here, it's pretty exciting. Now that you, and, and you have an opportunity to walk through Allegiant stadium, you know, how spectacular it is. The, the location's phenomenal. The building's phenomenal. And I've now experienced events in there with a sold out crowd and, and a full crowd. And so it, it, it's become incredibly exciting. Um, the, the, the big thing too is, is, you know, a couple of years, actually it's, it's, it's been a little over uh, a little over two years now when we announced our new conference affiliation. Uh, we ha we have one of the more unique uh, conference affiliation deals um, in the bowl world. We do have three uh, conference partners, and so the Pac-12 is our anchor partner um, that we have all six years of our, our of our conference agreement, and then we rotate the Big Ten and the SEC um, each year. So it gives us a little bit of fresh feel a little bit of a different feel and gives us a little bit of flexibility as we're going through. So we're now to the, we're now in the home stretch and we're now super excited to, to finally get this game up and running in Allegiant. On a personal level, you've worked in minor league baseball, minor league hockey, as well as in the original XFL. Uh, what did you learn from those early experiences that has helped you with the Las Vegas bowl? Well, I, I appreciate you adding the original XFL because then it tells everybody how old I actually am that I didn't, I didn't break in and in, in, in the in the newer one, but you know I I think quite honestly I took a little bit uh, uh, away from each one of those right uh, minor league baseball it is a grind man and 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 I've I've always whenever I see that on somebody's resume I am instantly attracted to it and 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 am drawn to it because what people don't realize is that is a long hard season you um you're you're playing eighty something games in the heart of the summer and and here in las vegas we know what kind of summers those are with with the heat that we get it, it's a grind and and on top of having to be there at every game and having to work every game um you know you're expected to get all of your work done in the office so there were times where you know you're getting to the office at 8 8 30 and you're leaving the ballpark at at, at midnight nothing like minor league games where the, where the air is dry and warm and the wind's blowing out to get a 1914 like, game that goes five hours um, but, but it, but it, te it taught me, uh, kind of paying your dues, a little work ethic. Uh, the beauty about minor league baseball too, is you have so many games and you have so much going on that you were given the ability to get as creative as you want, right? You had to try to find a way to keep it fresh and keep it different and do some kooky hokey things, uh, to, 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 to break up the monotony of the season. So I think that was the biggest thing for me, uh, was, was, was what I took from minor league baseball. Hockey was a totally different ball game. It was a little bit shorter season, um, but 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 you know it was still all about the entertainment factor. You can have a little bit of fun doing it. Um, you can do some different things in an arena that you 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 couldn't do in a in a in a, in a ballpark. Um, I, I'm not sure if anybody realized, but our ownership group owned the hockey team and the baseball team. And when I first got the job, 
my boss at the time convinced me that I was going to come on board and we we're going to work baseball all summer and hockey all winter because we the, the ownership group owned both. And at the time, it seemed exciting that you're going to get to do a little bit of both. But what I didn't realize is he kind of had me fooled. He, he convinced me that I was going to make $18,000 a year. is going to be the best job of my life. Uh, when I added up the hours of a baseball season, the hours of a hockey season, he somehow convinced me to bust my butt and love every minute of it working for what was probably the equivalent of like 25 cents an hour. Uh, it was, it was, it was a long couple of years, but you know what? It, it taught me a lot. Um, the, the, the XFL that you mentioned, I think that was, that was one of the most transformative points in my, in my professional career. Um, I got a, I got a really good opportunity to come on board and, and oversee the sponsorship group and the marketing group. Um, and, and, uh, being a part of that marketing group and the, and the first run of the XFL, um, Vince McMahon was incredibly involved, incredibly involved. And, you know, for those of us that have watched wrestling, you see one side of Vince McMahon and you see the, the showman side of Vince McMahon. But what you don't realize is how brilliant he is. And the one thing that we had our marketing meetings every Tuesday morning and Vince was on there and Vince wanted to hear your ideas. He wanted to tweak your ideas. He wanted to give ideas. But the one thing that he taught me at the end of the day is, yeah, yeah, we're putting on a football league. We're putting on football, but we're in the entertainment business. So you find a way to entertain people. And, and you know what? It, it seems silly, but when he was bringing in those video screens and what he was doing with the cheerleaders and what he's doing with the pyro and, and the storylines, I mean, we were creating storylines like it was a WWE game. Um, and and I, I see this now that, that still lives. And, and some of the things that we see in the NFL, some of the things we see in college, that was all kind of coming out of some of the things that Vince McMahon did. So he, 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 he didn't realize it. He didn't know it, but, but that league and those folks taught me a ton about looking at the event in an, in, in an entertainment way. First, Look, I can't control what happens on the field. Once we get there and we go through bowl week and we set everything up, I have zero control over what's happening on the field. So what I can control is everything else going around it. So what we're going to try to do is we're going to have a good time. We're going to entertain people. And then we keep our fingers crossed and we hope we have a great game on the field as well. Very interesting. You know, you take a little bit of uh, every stop in your career and you pull it together and it makes you who you are today. And certainly you're using all those experiences to, to help you with the Las Vegas bowl. So tell us what are, you know, every bowl game's unique. What are the main challenges to running a bowl game in Las Vegas? What are the advantages? Some of them might be obvious uh, in terms of the destination for fans. Um, and then tell us as you look to the future for your game, what, what, are, what are the goals for the Las Vegas Bowl over the next few years? Yeah, we, we, we do have a ton of advantages. I mean, when, when, when we sit down in the early part of the year and, and we, we try to tweak it a little bit, we try to keep it fresh, but at the end of the day, we all have kind of our core go-throughs that we want to go-tos that we want to go um, and, and, and have the, the, the coaches and the players and, and the fans experience your, your destination. We are at a huge advantage, right? We, we are at no shortage of, of, of activities and events and things to do and places to see. Um, and, and, and I can, I can honestly say that over the years, I'm, I'm proud that our team had probably put together one of the coolest bowl week experiences in the country. Um, you know, the, the one thing that we would always take a look at and we'd see other bowl games, taking the kids bowling or taking them to top golf or, um, you know, you know, having entertainment come into a hotel. We never wanted to do that. We had an opportunity to always do things a little bit differently because of the destination that we we're in. And, and I hate to say it, but if, if we saw this happen at one, at one game, 
we didn't want to do it in ours because we we had a ton of options here to do that. And so over the years, you know, we've we've the, the, the kids have experienced Fremont Street experience. They've experienced show nights. We've done probably five or six different shows where they get to see a world-class uh, destination. Um, and and they get they get to experience all the different sides of Las Vegas. And and that was that was the big thing for us. Um, and and that's what that's what makes it a little bit easier in, in some aspects. On the flip side, we have we have several disadvantages, right? There, there is no shortage of entertainment here. There is no shortage of things to do here. Um, I, one, of the, one of the most popular questions that I always get is people always say, well, how often do you come down to the strip? And my answer is, um, well, I never go down there unless somebody's in town or there's an event going on or something to go. Otherwise, I, I never go to the strip. And I go, so I'm basically down there six days a week, which is crazy, right? I, I, I've never been in my house and packed up and said, I'm going to go to the strip and I'm going to go do this just to go do it. But it's always because there's an event going on. There's somebody else going on in town. There's, you can honestly do something out of this world and unbelievable seven days a week in this town. It, it never stops. And now, quite frankly, it, the, it, it never stops based on the time of year. It's going all year long. Every single week of the year, there's a, there's a major concert going on, a major event going on. Uh, we now add pro sports into the mix, which we've never had uh, with, with, you know, the Raiders and the Golden Knights. And so they're, 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 that makes it a little difficult to stand out as an event, to stand out as something different um, and, and, and to capture that entertainment dollar. Last question for you, John, Wisconsin versus Arizona State. Any predictions? No, man, I, I'm predicting it. Well, listen, I, uh, my man, Brent Musburger, uh, when I went over there the other day, he showed me the line. So he's going to, he told me that it's going to be a defensive battle. I have to believe him. Um, I'm just hoping for a great game. I'm hoping for a full stadium. Um, and, and, you know, a, a, a great start to the new Las Vegas bowl. The SRS distribution Las Vegas bowl is scheduled for Thursday, December 30th at 10 30 PM Eastern time at Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. The game will be broadcast on ESPN. John, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, I think we're all excited to have bowl season back in full force. Uh, your first game in the, in the new stadium. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thanks for everything. And thank you all for listening to this week's bowl season stories podcast. Please join us next week when we will welcome another lineup of great guests. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast and as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com, and on social media at Bowl Season. Thanks for listening.